0: This is, uh, you know, that negative thought you've been having, and uh, I just uh, I just can't let
1: you try and change yourself without a fight, so uh, go ahead and just turn this show off, okay, and um, uh, yeah, everything's still fine. This is Blindsight with your host, Bill Lundgren, an AINC original podcast. Serious? We're not holding back truth. We're here to help you heal and become the best you possible. Here's the chair. Here's the pillow. Here's Bill. Okay, Uh, welcome, friend,
0: uh, to Blindsight, sponsored by the Audio Information Network of of Colorado. Uh, I'm your host, Bill Lundgren. And just want to let you know uh that coming up on tuesday the sixth uh, of December is Colorado gift day and it's an opportunity if you name uh a i n on your as a can contribute to a i n then uh that's going to receive make us eligible for a match on money and will help uh, uh, further the cause that, that we are involved in here. So think about it and phone in on gift day. Today we're going to do something a little different. We're going to be talking about a subject that's important but not as a downer, just a kind of a cautionary tale, holiday blues. It's not an official psychiatric diagnosis, but it's something that a lot of people feel. And we hope that the conversation will help people to look at what they can do to uh, deal with it if it occurs for them. And today, uh, we're also going to do something unusual and have the producer of this show, Jonathan Price, and I talking back and forth about the things we know around holiday blues and what kind of solution uh, people can take to help themselves during this period of, de- of December. So, Jonathan, welcome. Thanks, Bill. Fun to be here. Yeah. and. Uh, I've been wanting for an opportunity for the two of us to talk because you have a lot to, to bring, and that's why you produce <laughs> so well.
1: Uh, oh, thank you. I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> the The thing that I wanted to kind of focus on is that there is something that occurs for people at this time of the year that they need to be aware of. We need to be I hope through the sessions of Blindsight that we're paying attention to self-awareness. Right. And the beginning of self-awareness is really uh, to understand that our emotions and our intellect have to work together. And they're often
1: deceiving each other.
0: Yes. And a lot of people uh, in the audience will certainly recognize people who do nothing but talk from their intellect everything's logical mm. uh they wouldn't know an emotion if they tripped over it and i came <laughs> right. from a family where this was a specialty on the other hand we also know people who are all emotion and don't have any thought or intellect associated with it and both of both extremes are not very helpful to make it in this world right so what we have to do is understand ourselves and work together with the emotion and the intellect.
1: Yeah, I I when we talk about the emotion versus the intellect, you know, you kind of hit on it where you you have these emotional facilities where you are so caught up in you know what you would call a cognitive distortion where you have things like Um, I'm jumping in, I'm jumping to conclusions, or I'm seeing things or I'm feeling things that may or may not be there. And I may be reading between the lines of something somebody said, whether it's at the dinner table, or, you know, whatever that may be. And we get wrapped up in our emotions too many times to, to fail to see the forest through the trees, you know. And, you know, if you take the extreme opposite of that, when you're dealing with just the logic, you tend to negate the fact that you do have emotions and then you're not able to process anything, leaving you feeling numb and disconnected and unable to understand why you're not feeling joy in a particular season where you should feel joy with family, with friends, with coworkers, all of it. You you numb yourself to so many wonderful things in life. And it's finding a balance between the depression, the anxiety, the fear, the maybe resentment that you may have for friends or family members that can really rob you of things that you so desperately need. Feeling those emotions are crucial to everything that you're doing. I think one thing that we also need to do is we need to define the difference between depression and sadness. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think the the key uh, to understanding these two ideas is to uh, take a look at when we're feeling a certain way to accept that feeling and just simply say, okay, mm-hmm. I have this feeling, now what is it all about? And that's sure. where the intellect can c- come in and help us, because sometimes mm-hmm. the emotional component may come from something that happened back in our uh, family of origin, and that sure. we develop yeah. this uh, defense against certain feelings, certain emotions. By you, right. by relying on our intellect because giving into our emotions may hurt us. You know, we may, right. be- right. You know, it
1: causes that numb feeling.
0: Then, right, exactly. And that's a defense. And we have to understand it, mm. not, not call it a negative thing, but that's how we survived. And when a therapist like me is telling you, well, Jonathan, uh, that defense is not working now. You know, it would be perfectly logical for you to say, no, wait a minute, that's helped me all this time.
1: Why am I supposed to give it up now? Right. Well, it's a pattern interrupter. When you interrupt those thought patterns or when like either you yourself, if you have the ability cognitively to pull yourself out of an emotional state, if you have the ability to break that emotional cycle, if you will, you tend to realize that. Yeah, I'm feeling a particular way and I may be sad or I may be depressed or I may be anxious about a particular event. Say I'm going to my family's for Thanksgiving dinner or, you know, we, we just celebrated Thanksgiving so and we're moving into Christmas. But if I'm struggling with a particular idea or thought and if I have the capacity to say, wait a minute, this, this isn't quite right. I, I know something is wrong. So... What is the primary emotion? I may feel angry, but is that the real emotion that you're feeling or are you feeling neglected? Are you feeling rejected? Are you feeling uh, any number of things that may or may not be all the way true? And the problem that we run into is if you have an emotion and you allow that emotion to govern everything that you do, you will miss out on so much because your emotion will more than likely lie to you and when you're living in that emotional state, if you can't, either you or your friend or family member can pull you out of that and to show the logical side of it, uh, you will become way more healthy and more uh, able to, I guess, self-diagnose or self-regulate uh, your emotions. Um, regulate, you know, self-regulate. And so mm-hmm. I think those pattern disruptors uh, are Are vastly important, and not only knowing that you're you need to have a pattern disruptor, but that um, the the thoughts that you have, either about yourself or a particular situation, may or may not be factual.
0: I think part of it is again we're talking about how we defend ourselves against emotions that we're afraid of. Mm -hmm. In order to survive, particularly as children, if if you came from an alcoholic home, you know your job Mm -hmm. uh, is to keep the alcoholic happy, Mm. and also to make sure that you protect yourself because the person may blow up and you'll be in big trouble, may even get physically hurt. So that's how people stop. And of course, in the holidays, that's when. Uh, sometimes things really get out of hand. And when you come into the holidays, you say, okay, history is going to repeat itself, even though logically you know it won't. <laughs> yeah. You have to just understand, Right. wait a minute, this is old stuff coming up, yep. and kind of appreciate it. Uh, you know, I like what Eric Burns talked about in transactional analysis, that we have three states inside of us. Hmm. The one state is the parent state the second state is the adult state and the third state is the child's state you know we talk about the child within mm. and all of us have certain uh, amounts of that but at times if we haven't learned how to regulate the child the child may take over as soon as he or she sees oh this sounds like or looks like uh, a time i got hurt before right that's what I mean by defensive. Right. So then the nurturing parent, which a lot of people unfortunately don't have, but the nurturing parent that we have to train ourselves to mm. have, will say to the child, it's okay, you're safe, I'm here, uh, I will take care of the situation, you can just be the playful child that you can right. be. And the adult helps that adult that logic, Help the parent and the child work together to achieve that end, but it's a, it's becoming aware that you have that child in you that's that's a, uh, so fearful and trying to protect him or herself uh, is is
1: ruling the roost, right. and that's not necessary anymore. So we just celebrated Thanksgiving, and you know I had a great time with with family, and. um you know, we're looking at doing some fun things this weekend. One of the things that I realize is that you come off of this emotional high, whether it be good or bad, and you're that little wave or tidal wave, <laughs> if, you had a, if you had a rough Thanksgiving, that tidal wave may be carrying you into December. How do you kind of come off of that um, emotional high or emotional low or whatever you want to call it? And kind of regulate yourself through the end of the year. Well, I think one of the
0: crucial things really is to be able to, number one, to identify what's going on and identify, uh, you know, and accept, oh, this is what I'm feeling right now, instead of saying, oh, I can't, I'm not supposed to feel that way, or this is terrible, I don't have any control over that feeling. Uh, This is the understanding, okay, I feel down. Now, what am I telling myself that causes me to feel Mm. down? For example, if someone had Thanksgiving by themselves instead of being with other people, we're going to tell ourselves, oh, nobody loves me. We may be likely. And then we have to look at that cognitive distortion and say, wait a minute. Uh I didn't go to any Thanksgiving cuz everybody assumed that I would be with family or I would be out of town or whatever. It's not that they don't love me. It's just I didn't let people know that uh, uh I was going to be around and mm-hmm. uh you know have someone in uh, can I join you or even invite somebody else who's right. alone to come over and have dinner or have a Thanksgiving dinner mm-hmm. together. And in, in that way, we become active. And, and if we can anticipate before that holiday, particularly as we come into mm. Christmas to, Oh, this is when I start to feel real bad. What do I need to do? And what that's where the intellect helps us to one, to understand the feeling that we have, accept the feeling that we have, and then look, is there anything that I can do? To change mm. it. Now, if I'm, let's say I'm in the service and I, I'm missing my family, that's sure. understandable. And there really isn't a whole lot right. we can do. But when we come to accept, Oh, this is what the problem is. Then we can choose to work with our unit mm. or with the people we, we work around to have at least for that moment to have a fam, sense of family. Mm-hmm and to feel not so alone,
1: and to take care of that little kid right. that's so scared. And I think it's important to also note that if you are in the service or you are in a particular situation where you've identified what you're going through and what emotion you're feeling, you may also have to deal with the grief or the the, the realization that you can't either go back home or that you are going to be in this for a season. And I think when you can acknowledge that, it's it's first you have to admit that there's a feeling that you're feeling that's first and foremost. And then you can kind of navigate, okay, here's my reality. What are my solutions? Well, I can't really go back home. I don't have the money for a plane fare Hmm. or a car that works or you know, whatever, have you. And so when you can, accept that reality and understand that, hey, look, this may be just a season. We have all this technology, we have video calling, we have phones, we have mm-hmm. you know, all of this wonderful technology. We don't have to be disconnected from the people that we love, we just, we just don't. Unless we are, I guess, for lack of a better word, self-sabotaging ourselves and isolating ourselves from our family for whatever reason, right. or our friends for whatever reason. One thing that I struggle with is because I'm a helper, I want to provide for my family, I wanna provide for the people that I'm around. The hardest thing for me right. to do is allow people to help me. And I don't go seeking help unless I'm <laughs> unless I'm bedridden, unless I've broken my leg or something, unless it's catastrophic. Right. I really don't like to ask for help. And so me wanting to provide, how would you talk to somebody like myself who is in that situation who doesn't really want, they would appreciate help, but they're not going to ask for it.
0: Right. Well, the one thing I, I have to uh, let people know that this is what we call the male conditioning. We're, we as males particularly uh, are yeah. told that we're not supposed to show our emotions right. or to, we're supposed to help other people, but not accept help. Mm. Yep. uh I remember as I was uh, losing my eyesight and uh, getting around it was becoming more difficult, uh, I would refuse to ask people or let them know this was happening, and I would trip over fire hydrants or run into people. <laughs> but I would never admit right. that I needed help getting around. Right. And still uh, uh, I went to uh, meet a friend of mine in a dark restaurant. And as you can imagine, even for sighted people to try to get around, uh, tables and chairs and people in a dark restaurant is no easy task. Right. And of course, I was especially, uh, uh, destructive in that particular restaurant. And my a friend I was meeting and later confronted me and said, Bill, you know how good you feel when you help someone how dare Mm. you not let me have that good feeling by not letting me help you. And that's something I've had to incorporate in my thinking and say, oh, I'm giving something to you if I let you help me.
1: Interesting. Rather than
0: feeling like I'm taking something away from myself. right? or that I'm less than because I have to be helped by someone else. So it kind of sounds like we're... That's a little condescending to other people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It kind of sounds like we're dealing more with a pride issue than we are a... You got it. Yeah. You got it. And we don't intend to that. So how do we we combat that going into Christmas? Well,
0: one of the things that when I do training over uh, at the... uh, Theater for the Performing Arts uh, Group, the Center for the Performing Arts, uh, is teaching the ushers not to say, D- do you need help? Because that puts us one down. Mm. But to say, sure. can I assist you? So what we have to look at is, okay, I'm not one down because I'm being helped, nor are the people that I'm helping one down for me, that this is the way... Right. We survive. We all survive. We have to help one another. And it becomes a matter of pride for both of us to allow help as well as to help. And to say, wait Mm -hmm. a minute, be aware that you may be just a little bit condescending without intending it. (laughs) And say, okay, wait a minute, what does this person need? And ask that person what does he or she need rather than moving in and trying to help them. Sometimes this right. is one of the big conflicts in couples that I've worked with where uh men are the fixed fixers. They you know mm-hmm. uh the, the yep. wife talks to or girlfriend talks to the partner and, and explains the problem and the you know the guy wants to help and wants to fix it. And she said, I can't get right. him to understand. All I need is to talk it out with him. He doesn't need to do anything. I have to do it. But <laughs> yeah, you know, uh-huh. I just need an ear to listen. And this is when we get, you know, feel like obligated to fix it.
1: And to just say, what do you need? What, right. what and, do you need from me right now? Yeah, it's, it's interesting you bring that up because I am totally that way with, with my wife. And I want to, you know, if she's going through a tough situation, I want to be able to right. fix it for her. And not because you know, I want the problem to go away, but because I want to see the best for her. I want to see the right. the good right. in her life come out. out. And, mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And and I think, you know, when we talk about at least helping spouses, I think, you know, I've had to adopt the, honey, do you need me to listen or do you need me to fix in this situation? Yeah, And if you can ask that question honestly, you're probably on a good, on a good Absolutely. path.
0: Absolutely, that's, that's what I teach couples. I, mm-hmm.
1: Yep, And I get, I get into the trap of in the heat of the moment wanting to fix it, but it's taken a lot of Mm -hmm. time for me to, you know, just take a step back and say, okay, honey, do you need me to fix this or do you need me to just shut up and listen? And when I, when I do that, you know, for either my wife or for anybody else who may be feeling like. Um, they're not being heard or they're not being uh, seen or, or they don't feel like this this holiday season and this time is something that they can enjoy. I think it's important for everybody to step back and instead of trying to fix everything, trying to listen to people and understand right. what they're going through. Then because you may run into a situation where you may just be sad. Mm-hmm. And just because you may not have... Realized it, but an experience that you ha- that happened to you maybe a year ago, two years ago, ten years ago is all of a sudden surfacing that you didn't even realize was happening. So it could either be a sadness, maybe a depression, maybe a clinical depression. Who knows what it is? But what do you think the the main differences are between feeling sad in that state or full on depression?
0: Well. Sadness can lead to depression. There's a time factor. Mm. But we're... Let's put it this way. Sadness is just one of... of, Well, when, when I... Pardon me. Let me back up a minute. When I work with a client, particularly one that's very into intellect, I try to break down emotions into four. Mad glad, sad, scared. And because all of them are, are valid, all of them are part of the mm. human nature, and if we block any one of them, we block all the others. So when we say sadness is, is part of life, there will be times we'll be sad. <laughs> when sadness right. becomes the overall uh you know, month after month uh immobilizing, hmm. then you see we get into a kind of pathology that has to be looked at and if it becomes the overall, you know we don't feel the feel the other three feeling that's when we're into trouble, mm-hmm. and part of what happens is that sometimes we get so caught up in it that we need somebody from the outside to point out you know you're you're sad all the time. Or, you, or we look at having trouble getting up in the morning. Uh, I have trouble getting right. up in the morning, but it's more because I'm creaky in the morning. But that's something different from <laughs> feeling like, you know, you don't want to uh-huh. get out of bed. And Right, exactly. Uh, and, and, you know, grief is a normal, normal emotion. We feel grief when somebody passed away when our when our my guide dog died, I had grief, and you know some people say, "Oh, you can get another dog no you you know no, uh-uh. you have to grieve the loss, and sometimes for me uh grief may return on an anniversary of the passing of someone important that's mm. you know. For sure. me, I can look at Christmas with mixture, one of which is sure. that I had a number of significant losses in the period of 30 days between Christmas and the middle of January that I have to acknowledge that this is a little harder because I think of these people, you know, at this time and the loss that I experience, And that can kind of temper some of my, re- my reaction to holidays. But I have to mm. embrace that and know that that's, you know, that's where I am. That's nothing wrong with me. It's just that I have to be a little kinder to myself for that period of time.
1: Mm-hmm. And just yeah, so and there's nothing get... wrong. Exactly. There's nothing and, wrong with the grief that you feel. I. It, right. It's a really important. And I know that you coach this, and you've even coached me through this. Is that not only do I need to feel grief in a particular situation. But those around me need to understand that grief is totally okay. You know, we had Beth on a couple weeks ago who talked about grief. And when you lose things like a dog or a parent, like we, it's easy for us as people who are outside of a particular situation, if they've lost a pet, they lost a spouse, they've lost a loved one, to feel that grief and allow people to feel that grief. but. For somebody who may have lost X, Y, Z, put it in there, they are experiencing that grief. And for some of us who be like, well, why are you, that doesn't make sense. Why are you feeling that way? Just, you know, buck up, pull yourself up. Yeah, that's that's stupid. Don't, don't do that. We have to understand that if we can come underneath people, support them in their time of grief, regardless of what it is, people will tend to heal faster and you will create more of a community sense than if you berate or disregard that emotion. I don't care what it is. That grief may actually hurt you as an individual, but if you don't let somebody else experience that emotion to the fullest and be able to walk with them in that, you're setting yourself up for huge failures. Not only you, but that person, you're going to break that trust. You're going to break a whole lot of things in that relationship that you may really desire. And you see one of the problems in the holidays,
0: particularly the nature of the the Christmas holiday is that a lot of these memories and a lot of these people come back and you may feel lost Mm. again, Right, which is you have to appreciate that and say, okay, yeah, I can understand that. I think that people who have that feeling have to begin to appreciate how much mm. they cared about that person that on the sure. anniversary or, or the fact that it's a holiday and that person is not there. This is what, uh, what happened. And I need to just be kind to myself. I, I'm sometimes, uh, call, tell people I'm trying to make schizophrenics out of them because I want them to create <laughs> a best right. friend from within yep. themselves that's going to take yeah. care of us. And, like, for example, uh, if people right now look back on past holidays and they've experienced hmm. some sadness that they're real confused about, one of the things mm-hmm. they can ask, see, what depression is, is helpless, hopeless. Hmm. And uh, grief, and that can be grief, helpless, hopeless. Is temporary depression is more long standing, and grief right. can make develop into depression. But mm-hmm. if we realize that we're not helpless or hopeless, and that we can figure out if we acknowledge the feelings, what we can do about it. Right. If someone is living in Denver, for example, and their family. Uh, uh, fifteen hundred miles away, mm-hmm. and they can't go there. They're going to feel some grief because they right. can't be with their family. Yep. So what they need to do is to and one of the things is okay. What can I do to help me feel connected to people? Mm-hmm. Does that mean going out and volunteering at the uh, rescue mission? Does that mean uh, getting together for, with some people and having a holiday dinner in my house mm-hmm. instead of being 1,500 miles? It's understanding this is what I feel is acceptable, but here are ways that I can deal with it
1: so I don't feel helpless, hopeless. What What about this anticipation of, you know, you, you were talking about friends and family coming into either your place or you going to see friends and family what about the idea that you know the the anticipation of seeing somebody that you may have not seen for a long time or that you didn't tell them that you may be blind or you didn't tell them that there was a, a major event in your family or your life, the anticipation of that anxiety how How can you kind of approach that
0: Oh. That's an interesting question. How do we approach uh, people finding out what's really happening with us? And uh, a more uh, cogent, I think, example is, for example, you decide to bring your, you know, you're a male and you bring a boyfriend to a family dinner. Mm -hmm. Scary as hell. Yeah. Because you don't know the way the families are going to react.
1: Right. Right
0: but it's important to you to introduce that person to your family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I was caught in that situation. My mother, uh, you know, her, her t- t- uh, the two nieces, my two nieces each brought uh, boyfriends with them, but she said, oh, there's not enough room for another person. <laughs> and sure. I just uh, made the decision. I said, okay, we don't have to be there. Uh, we'll uh, do it another time. And my mm-hmm. mother was upset, of course. And then she called and she relented and invited him to come. Uh, right. But I had to be in a place that felt secure about myself in order to deal with that anxiety. And that's the same thing, part yeah. of what you're talking about in terms of blindness, for example, if somebody finding mm-hmm. out. It depends on how comfortable we are with ourselves as a blind person. If we feel sort of negative about it, we are gonna feel some anxiety. And fortunately, if we have the right people, they can help reinforce that I'm okay. But we Mm -hmm. have to acknowledge, oh, you know, I just feel a little little uncomfortable with this information and with uh, how people are going to react to me. And one of the—that's one of the biggies that people always report to me. I'm afraid of what people will think.
1: Yeah, yep. That that fear leads to anxiety. That anxiety leads to sadness. Yeah. That sadness can lead to depression, and you become this, right. this this rat on the on the wheel of emotion that you can't really dig yourself out right, of. Right.
0: Exactly. And it's,
1: I yeah. And is, one of the the biggest things for me is understanding that. Particularly, my family dynamic is so supportive, and we, we're always there for each other. And you could bring us the the world's biggest piece of information. And I know a lot of families don't have that. And you know, it for me, it's always been a place of safety, and a, regardless of if I screw up royally, makes it or easier. If it's, yeah. it, it yeah. does. And so, creating and fostering an environment where, if you're hosting, Understanding that people may bring some information to you or it may come out that is, it could be crippling. It could be, oh, I yeah. forgot the green beans. I, You know, it could be on any spectrum, but understand right. that if you can create a safe place for your guests, for whoever it is yeah. that is coming in. And just sit with them in their time of need, in their time of grief, in their time of sadness and depression. And this can be and understand why they're going through this. And if they don't want to talk, then just shut up. Right. You know.
0: And yeah. Exactly. And you see, see what what you're saying is correct. But sometimes when we go into a situation, especially a family mm-hmm. situation, which is high stakes. Yep because we don't want to be cast in the outer darkness from our family. <laughs> yeah. But even though we intellectually can accept, oh, they, they're they very mm. accepting, it's, we always think that this information we have for somebody is going to be a thing that's going to change everything. And it could. And so that's where the anxiety ends. So I say, I won't know until right. I show up. What, whether they're going to accept or not. And that's anxiety that other people don't really have a lot of control yep. over. Uh, for me, I have to deal with that. I have to say, if, if they don't like it, you know, then uh, that's too bad. Right. Uh, but I feel okay and, with exactly. whatever it is. But I have to acknowledge that I feel that anxiety mm-hmm. and this is going to be a test to the anxiety.
1: Sure. And then it becomes more of a, uh, for lack of a better term, a good anxiety, where it's more anticipatory than it is dread. Anticipatory.
0: That's the thing, to recognize, oh, I still feel some anxiety about this issue. Let's see how it goes. And also to reassure myself, that is the nurturing parent Mm -hmm. that we create within ourselves, to reassure ourselves, no matter what happens, no matter what they think, I'll be okay. And we have to, and a lot of people grew up with critical parents instead of nurturing parents, so they don't even know what oh, that yeah. is. And that's what we have to develop in ourselves, to be nurturing of ourselves. And even, you know, for a holiday coming up, you know, I don't want to go through a family mm-hmm. thing. I, You know, I'd just rather be yeah. alone, which is heresy, <laughs> yeah. you know, as far as <laughs> some people are concerned. <laughs> But, you know, I really feel much better not going anyplace. I don't feel lonely. I feel like this is what I want to do and maybe just get together with one person, and uh, which, which is what I did on on, on mm-hmm. Thursday. Rather, some friends invited me over. I just didn't want to get dressed up and do this, you know, kind of thing. I said, I'd rather be home. Mm-hmm. So my friend and I and he he had the same feeling, and he and I decided we're gonna stay, uh, you know, just have just have dinner, listen to some some books that uh, we've been talking about listening to. Just have nice. a relaxed kind of thing where we don't have Good. to
1: dress up. Perfect.
0: and well, it, sounds perfect. Perfect. it sounds it like it sounds like you're and what' you're I touching on, a, on
1: a on a subject that we don't have time to get into but the idea of creating boundaries around you know your own life your yeah. own situations that that is something that is critically important to you know sadness and depression. And, you know, you talked about as we start to start to wrap this up, you talked about um, the things that you did for Thanksgiving. What are some other uh, fun either traditions or things that you like to do during the holiday season?
0: Well, the the thing is, you know, I, want, I like to give myself a present oh, of some sort, okay. you know, rather than looking for somebody else to give me this present. Uh, It might be a trip later on in the year. It might be, you know, something that I can say, uh, you know, I don't need someone else to give me this. This is what I need at this point. And sometimes the present is just sleeping in on Christmas morning. (laughs) Yeah. You know, just Uh not, you know, I think of my poor father. You know, he stayed up all night to put a train set up, Uh you know, one year. And he was exhausted. (laughs) But he... You know, he was glad he did it for his kids. Oh, well, sure. Uh, there, are t- whatever I need, I have a right to. If I, you know, to just say, you know, this is what I need, mm-hmm. and it sounds selfish, and it's not really. It's self caring. There's right. a difference between selfish and self caring. Right. And I haven't decided what this year's present going to be for me, but I will think about. You know, I really would like to have this or. It, not necessarily a possession, but it may be just some time to do something
1: that's not mm-hmm. uh work related. Yeah. Yep. Well and when you come back you'll have, to, that gift. you'll have to tell us what that gift is sooner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, that's awesome. But but the holiday
0: has to be for as much for you as for anybody else. Right. Because it has such it has so much stuff laid on it, that uh, it's hard sometimes to enjoy the holidays. I know I feel obligated to decorate my place because mm. I have all this uh, these decorations that I inherited. Oh, but yeah. it's going to take three days to put it together. Oh, my goodness. And three days... To take it down, I light up my balcony, and get compl- I tell people I get complaints from DIA because there's so many lights. The plane think it's a landing field.
1: Yeah, our,
0: our, that's that's the way I do things.
1: My my uh, house, maybe. And my house and my family's house, my my parents' house looks like Hobby Lobby threw up in in the Christmas aisle <laughs> on our house, and we just we joke about it all year long. My. My family, right. we, we put up the Christmas tree, you know, right around the Thanksgiving time. And sometimes yeah. I will admit it stays up um, not just into January, but like into like late January. One time we even had it up, I think, until Valentine's Day. But it was just oh, yeah. <laughs> so. And well, people... Remember.
0: Remember, Den- Denver has a tradition of keeping the Christmas lights on yeah. until after the stock show is over. I use that as an oh, excuse to wait well, until it go. warms up to take it down.
1: All right. Well, you heard it here, Bill. I don't Bill.
0: want to be out there <laughs> freezing.
1: <laughs> Bill said you can keep your lights up until after the stock show, so everybody just take That's note of right.
0: that. That's right. That's the Denver tradition. That's I didn't realize that. Do.
1: That's yeah. interesting.
0: And so consequently, you don't have to take the light down until it warms up.
1: Absolutely. As far as
0: I'm concerned. <laughs> you know, we we joke about
1: in our family having a, a, a seasonal tree where you just keep the tree up because trees in and of themselves are just kind of a pain to put up. But once they're up, they're mm-hmm. so pretty and they're so beautiful and yeah. not everybody does a tree. But we joke sometimes about having a, a, a Valentine's tree and then a St. Patrick's Day tree and then a Fourth of July right. tree and then you just leave it up. And you you just switch out the ornaments and the decorations and, and you're, you know, you, you save yourself some of that heartache and anxiety by taking it down and putting right, it up.
0: Right, <laughs> Well, a wreath's on a door. Yes. You know, you take a Christmas wreath yep. and all you need to do is put some objects on it for Valentine's, <laughs> or, or for go. Easter. Or, yeah. Or Halloween, what it, whatever it is. That's you right. don't need to throw it away or just have it for one thing. But... The thing is to be able to enjoy it. I will tell you there were, were some times I just did not feel mm-hmm. like putting up the decorations, and I did. Right. And I'm glad that I didn't. Yeah. I just paid attention. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about, paying attention to your needs as well as other people. Right. And I think that's the antidote to the issue of holiday depression is that we pay attention to what we need, even if other mm-hmm. people are offended by it and yeah. say, this is, if it's truly what I, what we need. And sometimes we find out, yeah, I was fine this year, but next year I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do differently. But that's how we find out what we need is by acting on it. And if it's wrong for us, then we know for the next mm. time. Yep, Because we Absolutely. go through this every year. Every, every year. Forget about uh yeah, I mean, we go through having to make those kinds of decisions every year. And we learn from doing what decision is right for us. So when we make a de- a decision to decorate the house, we know, yeah, last year I didn't, and I really missed it. So mm-hmm. I'm comfortable with decorating the house and taking all that time. Yeah, You know, if that's how we find, that's how we explore what we need. Because, you know, a lot of times for a lot of us, we don't know uh, that we have needs. Yeah. Or that our needs are unacceptable, that we have right. to worry about everybody else's needs, but not our needs. And I'm sorry, we have to change that. Agreed. Because we'll be agree. more ready to help someone
1: else if we know that our needs are being met. Yeah. Exactly. So, Bill, what's your biggest takeaway from this? What's the last thing you want to leave with guests? What I want to leave for people
0: is to pay attention to yourself. It's okay. It's not selfish. It's self-caring. Because if you take care of yourself during the holidays or any time, you're in a better position to take care of everybody else. Yeah. And if you don't take care of yourself, you don't have it to give to other, but other people, even though you aren't aware of that. And I wish that, you know, well, we may come back to this before the holiday, before Christmas, mm-hmm. but, uh, to talk about this more. If people have some questions to ask us, give us a, you know, send us an email to, uh, at, uh AIN. Of Colorado, and you know, and we would be happy to try to figure out how to answer some of your questions, and certainly know that somebody's out there who's uh, thinking the same way we are.
1: Yep. Yeah. We'll we'll make sure we put those uh, emails in the show notes. Um, so that'd be good. It's your input. I think for me, I want to leave guests with the uh, the idea that you don't have to be stuck in the situation that you're in. Um, It's okay to be there right now, wherever you are, whatever situation you're in, that's totally okay. You don't have to stay there if you don't want to. You can have a better life for yourself. You can have an enjoyable time Mm -hmm. putting up decorations, enjoying family, enjoying friends, and doing the things that you want to do. It's when you take ownership of it and you're okay Taking the ownership of whatever situation that you're in, uh, and 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 then processing through it, being able to move through it and give it names, you know, a- anger and sadness and uh, those uh, happiness and glad those are secondary emotions, and you have to understand that, you know, you can feel angry, you can feel. The, the glad and the happy and all that, but you have to understand, well, I may not be, uh, is anger the right word? No, it's, it's, I'm feeling rejected. I feel depleted. I feel tired. I feel, right. you know, whatever right. it is, being able to name those primary emotions um, will give you permission to move forward. So moving into the holidays right. and, and we're in the middle of it right now is find something even for 10 seconds, that makes you happy. Whether it's breathing, whether it's playing the piano, or watching a 10 seconds of a funny cat video, it doesn't matter, find something that will make you happy and try to ride that wave as long as you can. Right, and if you feel angry, it's okay.
0: The only thing we need to do is to recognize we're angry. But not to act on mm-hmm.
1: it in a destructive way. Ex- ex- exactly. We have
0: to understand the emotion. And if we're caught up in sadness and we feel like there's no, no end in sight, that's when cri- the crisis hotline mm-hmm. can, you can give them a call or, uh, find a therapist. Uh, you know, there are lots of ways to deal with the blocks sure. that you may feel. Absolutely. Well, we're coming, the time's running out, but I want to thank Jonathan for uh, joining in with me today to kind of exchange some ideas about the holidays. I hope that's been helpful to you. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And as I said before, it'd be great to have your your input, our listener input. Uh, we certainly would welcome it. But meanwhile, uh, this is... Uh, Blindsight from Audio Information Network of Colorado, your host, Bill Lundgren, and his guest, Jonathan Price. We bid you uh, goodbye to the next episode. Take care.